Changemakers. Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio. I'm Allie Murphy with Engage for Good. A new generation of companies entering the marketplace are taking a different approach to CSR than their more established counterparts. The rise of these companies, built with both social purpose in mind and a willingness to challenge conventional CSR wisdom and the status quo, has the potential to upend the social impact landscape. Emerging brands often have more progressive business strategies and a socially conscious millennial workforce and consumer base. They also seek to engage in social purpose strategies and nonprofit partnerships that differ from those of traditional corporations and often taught best practices. In today's episode, I'm joined by Megan Dorsch, head of social impact for Visible, and Rich Maori, president of Rocket Social Impact, one of Engage for Good sponsors. We'll explore how these new entrants, those who have risen in profile over the past few years, are shaking up social impact and what it means for both nonprofits and established companies. It's a lively conversation with a ton of tangible takeaways you can start implementing today. So with that, let's get started. Welcome to Cost Talk Radio. Thanks, Ali. Excited to be here. Hi there. So excited to have you both on the show today. For our listeners who aren't familiar, Rich, would you start off by telling us a little bit about Rocket Social Impact and what you do there? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, Rocket Social Impact, uh, as the name implies, we're a social impact agency. We help companies with their CSR strategy and communication. And we do the same for nonprofits. So we have a good mix of the two uh, and uh, you know, just excited to be here. And Megan, what about you? Who are you? What is Visible? And what do you do there? <laughs> sure. Thank you very much for having me and for creating this space to have this conversation. Um, I am with Visible. We are an all-digital wireless carrier. We're also a subsidiary of Verizon, so we're wholly owned by them. Um, and my work there is I get to care for our social impact, our social good, and also our storytelling. It's an exciting role. We're talking about how emerging brands are changing social impact partnerships, which begs the question, what's an emerging brand or an emerging company? Rich, can you enlighten us? Yes, certainly. You know, it's a bit of a nebulous term, but the way we look at it is emerging brands <clears throat> are those companies that kind of appeared on the in the marketplace over the last several years, be it an Airbnb or a, in this case, a visible that are kind of new to consumers or new to their, if they're in B2B industry. So they're new in the space, but they're also approaching social impact, be it CSR, ESG, in unique ways. And that's really what's kind of exciting to us as we think about this cohort around merging brands. So you gave examples of Airbnb and then Visible. What are a couple others just to get our listeners' heads around what this is? Certainly like Blue Apron, mm -hmm. uh, Shutter, Shutterfly. I know Shutterfly's been around a while, but they're really just kind of starting to come into their own and, and create uh, some social impact efforts. So it's those kind of brands, uh, Stitch Fix, you know, uh -huh. these kind of brands that are relatively new uh, and bring uh, cannabis companies, you know, they're kind of all these new Definitely entrants. Definitely coming in into, new. Yeah, they are. Uh, <laughs> that are new entrants into the marketplace, but also new entrants into social impact. And that's, that's kind of what, how we describe them. Got it. Okay, so building off of that, Rich, what are some mm. ways that these companies approach social impact differently than their more established counterparts? Yeah, the more established companies kind of grew up as corporate social responsibilities really becoming cool. And they approached it, many of it through having a three or four social issues they support, primarily through grants, little volunteerism. 
and that's kind of that was their approach. What we're seeing from this new subset of companies is they're they're te- to be a little more narrow focused. They're taking on a, a little more provocative type of issues, and you know they're leveraging all their assets, not just their philanthropic dollars, but you know, their corporate expertise, their employee expertise, their products, their sponsorship, their advertising rate. They're really coming at it in a holistic way, which mm-hmm. I think is. Exciting for established companies to learn from, but also from nonprofits who are looking to try to partner with these brands. And we're going to dive into some of those those partnership pieces a little bit later. But for now, yeah. Megan, you worked at Verizon, I believe, before moving to Visible, which I think gives you kind of an Correct. inside look or perspective on this. What differences have you noticed between the two companies when it comes to social impact? Yeah, absolutely. And you, you're correct. Um, I did. <laughs> and I think the differences for me might just be, you know, kind of what Rich just just walked through, some of those core differences. But also mm-hmm. the differences for us is kind of around the issues that we support. And I think those issues have roots back to not only like the core values of each individual entity, but also a little bit of the customer base, right? And right. that's tied in a little bit to customer behavior. Um but I think some of the similarities, I mean, Verizon's always been committed to CSR and I did have the honor of supporting, you know, and working alongside that team when I was on the Verizon side, but there's differences in how that um, impact came to be. Visible is only three years old. And so when okay. we built the company, we really built it and infused like impact into our DNA. So as we were building the company from the ground up, we really looked at it through a purpose lens and we're trying to figure out how could we make a difference in our communities day one. And I'm guessing, well, you talked about similarities and differences, but I'm guessing on the differences side that your priorities might be a bit different being a newer company entering this space. Is that true? And if so, what are some of those priorities? Right. They are a little bit different. I think you'll see some through lines, but there Mm -hmm. are some, I think, uh, core differences for us we really aligned our three pillars back to our core values, kind of who we are as a company, our employees, and also our member base. Oh, and sorry, members are who are, we call them our customers members. Thank you. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But yes, um, our three pillars are racial equity, mental wellness, and civic action. And really everything we do, whether it's employee engagement, whether it's partnerships with nonprofits, like it has to tie back to one of those three core pillars. So you you talked about three pillars, so racial equity, mental wellness, and then civic engagement. Mm -hmm. Is the mental wellness... Civic action. Thank you, civic action. Um, (laughs) Is the mental wellness component of that something that's been around since the beginning? Or is it more as a response to what we've seen over the last few years as the pandemic has hit well, the world and workplace wellness and mental health as a topic has been much more openly talked about. Absolutely. I think this is the most openly we collectively as a society have talked about mental wellness, at Mm -hmm. least in my 40 blank years on the planet. Like we've, you know, had some conversations (laughs) I wasn't sure would ever come to fruition, um, which I think is exciting. We, We have always had mental wellness more so internally, mm-hmm. like from a employee benefit standpoint, but within the last year and a half, we actually were on a path to creating this space with within our pillars that really focused on mental wellness. And that really, I mean, it, it really came to light over the last year and a half, as you said, and made it a very relevant um, 
topic for us to be passionate about and to partner with, with various nonprofits and community partners. I'm really excited that companies, corporations, and nonprofits too are taking a bigger stance in that area and providing resources. Okay, so back to not just mental health and mental wellness. Megan, what (laughs) is the biggest challenge you face in starting social impact for a company? And do you think it's a challenge that others have as well? I do. I do not think our challenge is unique in any way, shape, or form. For a new company, I think it's a natural exercise in trying to figure out who are we? What do we stand for? You know, do we have the right um, mm-hmm. to be in this space? Those are, I hope, some very organic conversations that are happening, um, not only with companies that are starting, but that's an exercise we should be revisiting, I think, consistently. Because even for new companies, I was in you know, the first wave of hiring for Visible. But, you know, that ethos stood true with our first 40 employees, but doesn't stand true with your first 150, right. your first 300, your first 1,000. So I think that's an exercise that would benefit not just startups or these emerging companies, but for every company to kind of do that gut check. Um, biggest, I think, challenge, if you wanted me to narrow it down, yes. is really kind of to what we spoke about when we kicked this off is, brand recognition. We Mm -hmm. had, we had none, you know, we, again, we're three years old. We're in a very crowded uh, space, a marketplace. And when we launched our social impact, we actually started with an accelerator program for tech nonprofits. And we launched that accelerator program six months before we were ever public as a company. So I'm not kidding when I say no one knew who we were. Like mm-hmm. no one knew who we were. So we kind of faced this challenge of like, who is this brand? Do they really walk the walk? Are they really committed to these issues? And whether or not it was the riskiest business decision or the best business decision to launch <laughs> our impact before we ever had a customer, I'm not sure. I'm sure there'll be a case study that will prove it true. But it's been it's been um, very endearing for us to now still have those connections to that very first cohort that we worked with of tech nonprofits. And it's just been amazing for us to see their growth and their acceleration in terms of impact and, you know, employees and customers or people that they serve and then uh, us growing alongside of them. So it's just been it's been a really amazing experience overall. But that was our biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite types of questions, Rich, is around lessons we can learn. So, Rich, what do you think more established companies can learn from their newer peers when it comes to social impact or social impact partnerships? Yeah, it's a good question. I, uh, three, three uh, answers come to mind. First, you know, let's embrace the risk. These companies, these emerging brands, are taking on more provocative issues, be it reproductive rights, voting rights. Uh, mental health, LGBTQ, you know, these are five years ago, these were issues I was telling clients to stay away from given, you know, and now they're mm-hmm. really being embraced because consumers uh, and employees want the, want companies to take them. And I feel like they're expected almost. They, they are. Uh, I think for bigger companies who tend to be a little risk, risk adverse, uh, it does present a bit of a challenge. They don't want to anger left or the right. Right. Uh, So they tend to try to go to the middle, but embrace the risk is certainly one, you know, certainly that idea of leveraging all your assets. What is amazing about, you know, Megan and I get to work together every day is this idea that Visible's use their advertising 
weight, their, their, their communication channels, their employee expertise, their business partners, uh, their supply chain partners, all to come around social impact. And you're seeing it's harder for a bigger company because there's so many dots to try to connect, but it is possible. And it is certainly a way that brings great value to the CSR program as well as their nonprofit partners. And then third is a little bit of the zag. And that kind of goes with that provocative embracing the risk. But there's a lot of vanilla out there in okay. my critique of this, the CSR space. And so we're constantly trying to get clients to think a little bit of like everyone's going right, let's go left to establish a, an approach and a strategy, uh, partnerships, and ultimately communication that is a bit you know, different, that's ownable, that really enables the company, be big or small, to be able to stand out. And so those are the, really the three things I think as I look at a visible or some of the other companies I mentioned early on, and I'm talking to a Fortune 100 company now, I'd say this is what you need to kind of adhere to is that a little more provocative, so a little more of the zag, and really leveraging all your assets that, uh, that a larger company has plenty of. They just at times can't connect the dots and get everyone coordinated. So yeah. Like, and Rich, I, I just yeah. to add on to that, I yeah. think... I love that perspective that you're giving the companies because I think that's true. I also think a lot of that is being driven by consumer behavior too. Right. Because mm. I think a lot of consumers are really aligning where they spend their dollars, who they spend their dollars with, and who those what those companies stand for. This is a new generation that has immense purchasing power. And I think it behooves all of us to look at that or take that factor into consideration when we're looking at how do we align our impact or where are we showing up in those spaces? Because I think they go hand in hand. Yeah, I agree with that. And not just purchasing power, well, purchasing power is a piece of this, but also being canceled if you're not doing these things right or you're doing one thing externally, but your house isn't in order internally. So Rich, you gave the example, well, the three of embracing risk, leveraging your assets, zagging. And then you talked about, okay, if I were talking to a Fortune 100 company, here's what I'd say. How do you help people? Do you have tangible ways that you can encourage these bigger companies to embrace risk? That sounds like something some would want to run away from. It is. Uh, what we've been finding recently is a lot of this is growing organically within the companies through employee mm. resource groups okay. or business resource groups saying, hey, you know, we want the company to do more around mental health or more around LBGTQ. And the company's feeling like they now have permission to do that because it's right. becoming from, from within the company. So I think it makes it easier for them to you know, go out. I feel a lot of my job is telling them to come out on the ice. It's not going to break yeah. <laughs> beneath them. Uh, I think... Companies big and small also have a, a concern of imposter syndrome, and, and actually, Megan kind of referred to it. You know, they launched their CSR before the company launched, and there was a lot of a, should we, is it okay for us to do this? Will this come off as inauthentic? So, I think both big and small companies emerging as well as established are really double checking to say, do we have the permission? Do we have the right? Uh, because they're starting to feel like there's an imposter thing here. But when it grows organically, it makes it much easier for us to urge the company to take a little bit more of a, a stance on some of these issues. Uh, Black Lives Matter being a big one. We had some clients sit on the sidelines, if you will, showing support, but not getting too active. And then we had certainly some clients who were front and center, and they knew they were going to get grief uh, from one side or the other, and, and were willing to do that. I think these are all 
such good points and we could probably have an entire podcast on just those three. But there's a couple other things I want to hit on as well. A good percentage of our listeners work at nonprofits. Megan, do you approach nonprofit Mm -hmm. partnerships differently given that you have limited resources such as dollars and probably bandwidth too? Sure. Um, absolutely. And, and I think it's, um, I I think it's a, maybe a lens that everyone, I mean, none of us have unlimited budgets, right? (laughs) So I think we're always trying to, (laughs) oh my gosh, I would like to work at that company that has an unlimited budget. That'd be amazing. Me too. Um, but yes, um, it is. I, I think we took the approach when we launched our accelerator program. We knew that we were limited in the grants, grant the dollar value that we could give. And so we really infused that with like, how can we support these tech nonprofits with our technology, mm-hmm. you know, access to um, our entire executive leadership team. Like our CEO was mentoring each of the founders. Wow. Um, we brought the resources of our entire team to the plate. So they were working one-on-one with these tech nonprofits to solve things like UX, UI design, like questions around, you know, how do you leverage social media? Like our team was there acting as mentors. And then Rich alluded to it. We did. We, we looked at how can we use our average advertising dollars, our social channels to really help tell the story of these nonprofits, the amazing issues that they're tackling and the solutions that they have and how we're working together um, to bring about change. So it is looking kind of everything that we have to offer. How can we bring that to the table? I think it's important for nonprofits to realize they uh, look at it a little more holistically, uh, the value a emerging brand will bring you. It's not just the dollars. To Megan's point, they don't always have the biggest dollars. So I think sometimes nonprofits kind of shy away from going after these companies because they're not going to you know, drive some uh, donation that's going to hit a, a fundraising goal. Right. But the value they can bring around awareness, the value they can bring around engagement, the value they can bring around differentiation, really uh, it taken as a whole offers a lot to nonprofits and um so we have seen nonprofits create some successful partnerships with some emerging brands. If you, you kind of understand that the dollars are going to be part of it, but not the whole piece of it. I think that's a really important distinction. I think these emerging brands have a little bit more, to your point, Rich, the ability mm. to zag. Like we, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're looking at doing things new and different that align back to kind of like who we are. And so I think we have the opportunity to look at a partnership a little bit differently than maybe, um, you know, a, a traditional way of doing things. So continuing on this this partnership train, what is the most valuable thing a nonprofit can offer a company like Visible? I actually believe that what is the most valuable is their expertise. Like okay. we consider the nonprofit to be the subject matter expert you know, in these issues and the causes that they've surrounded themselves with. Like, we want to be leaning on them to, you know, really, I guess the question would be like, how can you help it? How can they help educate us on this issue? Right? How can we partner? How can we really like educate our teams um, and create meaningful impact together? It's a fluid marketplace. These are some thorny issues we're talking about. And companies are looking, looking to their nonprofit partners for expertise as well as cover. If, if, and I mean that in the nicest way that they, 
these are tough issues. You're talking about racism. And if you're partnering with a nonprofit, it does make it easier to have that conversation. It makes the, the company feel a little more uh, less reticent to take on the issue because they're partnering with a nonprofit who is the issue expert. Uh, I think also valuable to nonprofits, uh, what to companies of, of this kind of size is the opportunity to engage with employees and, and enable the employees to engage with one another. And then lastly, and this kind of goes to Megan's world of content, powerful content. And, and hear me when I say powerful content does not need to be slick. It does not need to look <laughs> like these, these beautiful world wildlife fun Keep kind talking. of images and things <laughs> like that. It needs to feel authentic and it needs to feel, you know, very kind of a before and after type of story via visual or through word or through video. A lot of nonprofits have some great stuff they're sitting on and then come to us and say, we don't have anything to sell to companies. And we're like, you do. You're just kind of, you're sitting on a sandwich and starving because <laughs> you have the assets, but you're not leveraging them the right way. So uh, I think the content, the employee engagement, and then the expertise uh, was spot on. I think a lot of what you've shared already is probably going to get at this question. But Rich, your agency reports highlights and does trends reports on a variety of different topics. But in this case, mm. one that I saw says that emerging companies are going, quote, beyond the donation. What does this mean? Yeah, we touched a little bit is certainly leveraging all their assets from the CEO's voice mm-hmm. to sp- sponsorships where they could bring in a nonprofit partner to be a part of their sports sponsorship. And we've seen that a lot. Um, there's also that you got to realize that Megan's a team of one. Uh, you know, we, she works with us and we, we, are part of her team by extension. But for a lot of companies in this, this category, they're handling DEI, CSR, ESG, sustainability, can all fall in, under them in entirely or parts of it. And that's certainly new and that certainly presents challenges when you're trying to get things done. Mm-hmm. You know, Megan doesn't have a whole lot of time to be taking care of six or seven partners. She has a handful and that that has to work for her. So they tend to be a bit more right-sized. Uh, these Their endeavors, a little more holistic, and as I mentioned, a little more provocative. Uh, those are really kind of how they stand out a bit differently than their more established brethren. So Megan, what words of wisdom or counsel do you have for companies just entering the social impact space? Sure, I'll take a page out of Rich's book and say three things. <laughs> I like it. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of, I guess my advice is look in, around, and through. And I think Love this it. applies also to nonprofits. I think when we say look in, it it really is, it is what you're standing for intrinsic to who you are, like your mission and value as a company. And I think we have to consistently check in on this and accept that there could be change, whether it's external changes in the world we live in or internal changes as like a new CEO. Mm-hmm. Um I also think, and I would, I would give it, I guess, this out to those are my peers, um, those in my same role. I would say I would really check in on your processes for partnerships and grants and really ensure that those are accessible to all and that you're not potentially excluding some nonprofits based on maybe some uh, some procedures that you have. I mean, and and look, it's not a one-way street. This is a two-way street for sure. Um, at least that's how we view our partnerships with nonprofits. And we really should be asking ourselves that, you know, to use that analogy, if we add more lanes to that two-way street, like, are we essentially opening the doors to more potential opportunity and different ways to look at how do we create change? 
that's just my advice. But um, when it comes to looking around, I would say be curious what others are doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And from a nonprofit perspective, search, search for those emerging brands, because I do think to Rich's point, there is just worlds of opportunities of how those partnerships can look like, and maybe a little bit more fluidity, Um, learn about the issues and learn about who is in that space and who can help, um, you know, bring some clarity or education or opportunities to your team. And then uh, when we say look through, I mean, like dig, like be willing (laughs) to dig into it, get dirty, like to Rich's point, take risks, right? How does this, how can it look differently? And I, I am a firm believer in not recreating the wheel, but Mm -hmm. you can definitely different, add some different spokes to that wheel and just figure out if we make a small change, like, can we just, you know, increase the impact across the board? Really? I love how many tangible pieces you've both shared today. So Megan, where can people learn more about Visible if they'd like to do that? Oh, sure. You can go to visible.com. And if you want to learn more about who we are, just click on the About Us tab. Awesome. And Rich, same to you. Where can people learn more about Rocket? Rocketsocialimpact.com. We have a snapshot on six trends that we see around emerging brands. uh, And I encourage folks to download that. But just drop us a note and we'd be happy to uh, answer any questions. But Ali, thanks for having us. This is obviously an exciting kind of space within CSR. And I think it's only going to grow. And, and there's some great learnings in this space for established companies as well as nonprofits as they think about their efforts. I think so too. And we'll include both of those links in the show notes. And I've got, we are butting up against that, but I've got one last question for both of you. And it happens to be awesome. my favorite that I ask everybody. So Megan, yeah. to you first, what is your favorite thing about working at Visible? There are so many. Um, <laughs> What's one? I, oh. on, I know. I honestly think for me, the best part is our team. I, I really love the breadth and de- depth of experience that our entire team has and just the willingness to have some really, really candid conversations, especially coming out of the year we've all just collectively experienced. Um, I, I just really hats off to our team from the leaders all the way down to my peers. Um, it's just been an extraordinary experience over these last three years. I love hearing people's answers to this. And Rich, what about you? What's your favorite thing about working at Rocket? Favorite thing, uh, like uh, Visible, we're three years old. So for us, it is the fun part for me is the Zag. The Zag. Where we are try- trying to you know, blaze new territory, come up with new ideas that uh, stand out. So Zag is a word we we use a lot at the agency and and one I love by. Well, Rich and Megan, thank you so much for joining us all today. It was a pleasure to have you. I think we could continue this conversation for three more hours, but I'm excited to see what you both accomplish (laughs) in the future. So thanks for being here. Great stuff. Thanks, Ali.